0: Amen, amen, yeah, it's good to see everybody today, the Lord is here, the Lord is at work, amen? So, um, when the lights come up here in a little bit, you're going to see how full this room is. Welcome everybody, I'm glad you're here today. It's a special day, vertical, we're just a little over seven years old and we've seen God do some amazing things in those seven years, but a page has turned. A new chapter is about to begin. God has been at work this summer in our church in a powerful way. We pray and plan series out, often months in advance, being sensitive to the Lord's direction as we move forward. This series, Pray Bold, has kind of been on the books for a while, but we had no idea it would coincide with such powerful things that God is doing. But he is, and it's no coincidence. Because when we seek him, he answers. When we ask, we receive. Doors are opened, lives are changed, wisdom comes, blessing falls, healing happens, and it's happening. So, um, we've done some things be, uh, to help with the number of folks that are coming. It's awesome. And usually in the summertime is when you think of church attendance kind of trailing. Everybody's, you know, vacation, doing their thing and whatever. But we've experienced some of the greatest growth we've ever seen at Vertical this summer. And we did some things like got rid of the coffee bar that was over here and pushed that curtain over to make more spaces. We put chairs in the back there and chairs in the back there and changed the lobby over there. And God is still blessing. More people are still coming and as full as it is in here, you haven't seen full until you stepped upstairs to the children's ministry. Yeah, said all the parents who just dropped their kids off up there. Yeah, or anyone who's served up there recently. So upstairs there are um, three rooms: one very large room and two smaller rooms. Last week, Micah had 123 children in those spaces. And Now some of that number includes some workers, but still, that's a lot of people in spaces that really weren't made for that many people, right? And it doesn't matter if they were, if you're two workers and you got about 15 little toddlers in there, it's way too much. Hello? So um, we've known for a while by attendance in here and by growth there. Uh, And that families are coming and they're bringing their children and they want to, they want their children to be taught God's word. Amen. They want to have them in an environment where Christ is honored and the word of God is preached and worship happens and truth hits the culture. Amen. We've, we've been faithful to do what Jesus told us to do, to lift him up in the midst of the culture. And we've done that here. We'll continue to do that here. But he called us to do that. And then he promised If I am lifted up, I will draw all to myself. So we haven't been on some elaborate church growth campaign. We've just been on the campaign of keep preaching Jesus into the culture. And he's lifted lifted himself up through it, and he has drawn people to himself. Amen? That's what's happening here. So uh, we had planned at some point. We knew, okay... We're probably going to have to find another way for us to all meet because this is full. And so we had another date set out in the future of some things that we thought were going to happen, but the the growth has been coming. God has been working. And I will say, I think you know this already about vertical. We're not about numbers. We're about souls. And we're about bringing truth into the lives of people who come and we're seeing that here. We're seeing lives transformed. We're seeing miracles happen. Families reconciling. You're gonna hear two stories today that will, I'm just telling you, if you don't have a Kleenex right now, you're gonna to need to get one, all right? So just plan on that in this, in this day. But because of that kind of thing, the Lord is drawing people. And so uh, our staff has been planning and praying our elder team has been planning and praying, and we've met together. Uh, we had a historic event last week. We were all able to meet together, and anytime time to try to get 20-plus church people together all at the same time is difficult, but we had 100% attendance, and we had 110% agreement in the room about what God is doing, so I'm excited to announce to you today that in two weeks, on August 28th, we are beginning two morning worship services here at Vertical Church. Amen, amen. So, you can come at nine, you can come at 1045, you'll hear the same same message, Uh, you'll hear it from me, you'll hear our worship team, the same worship, one is not better than the other service, one is not less than the other, they're both gonna be the same, and here's, Here's part of the beauty of that. It will allow for more room for us to invite friends and family to come. See what God's doing. Amen. Allows us to grow. And it allows us to be able to have smaller classes upstairs in our kids' ministry in each of the hours. Amen. It allows us to have workers that don't have to miss a worship service. Amen. And We are excited because we believe we're going to get from this almost like an old school Sunday school format where you will have a K-4, K-5 teacher that your child will have every week, and it's the same teacher. So you're not just going to a class where the K-4 through fourth grade are all together with some folks teaching, trying to hit all those age levels, but you'll have a teacher who is in a room with a smaller age grouping and a smaller number of students and be able to pour themselves out to those children and still be able to come to a worship service on that day. Amen. Amen. So, uh, we're excited about this. Um, we believe there's more, there's deeper ministry that happens on so many levels, but especially in our children's ministry. So, uh, you'll probably not believe me when I say this, but right now it takes 40 plus different volunteers every month to make children's ministry happen 40 plus different volunteers in this new arrangement and you're going to scratch your head for the rest of the day about this it only takes 22 total to make children's ministry work i told you you'll be scratching your head for a while Please just park that out of your head for a little bit because you won't want to miss what happens with the rest of this service. Don't get your calculator out and paper and start drawing all that stuff. We've done the math. We've talked about it. We've put it in front of a lot of people. It's true. And Micah, most of all, says, yes, please. So that's the exciting announcement. Look, there is so much more even that I am excited to tell you about, but you're going to have to come back next week for that. Man. You think that was exciting? You just wait till you hear next week what happens. There's more that's coming. And I'll tell you up front, next Sunday, we will end the service with us all going outside, circling the building, and praying for God's presence and blessing upon this place. Amen? Again, we couldn't have known what all was going to happen, but God did. God sovereignly arranged it. He responds when we pray. This is part of his purpose. So um, let's move on today into our message because we want to continue our series on Pray Bold. And it's such a, a fascinating thing that God has done. As we said, God can do what he wants, when he wants, however he wants, but he has chosen to limit what he does to us praying and asking for it. He could do it without us, but he's chosen to limit himself to waiting for us to pray. And I know there's so many things that we are attempting to undo in our own minds and hearts. We're attempting to pull down some strongholds. Here's one of the strongholds we've, we've been, I think we've pulled down already, if you've been here. The idea, the suggestion, the lie from the enemy, the agreement that many of us have made that says God's going to do what he's going to do anyway. What difference will it make if I pray? That's a stronghold and a and deception from the enemy. Do not believe it. There is power when we as God's people pray. Heaven moves. Angels are dispatched. Blessing falls. Wisdom comes when we pray. When we pray bold and believe boldly for what he has promised. Today, we're going to pull down another stronghold that many of us have been lied to about by the enemy We're gonna gonna yank it down today so that it has no more place in our minds and in our hearts. And it is the lie and the stronghold that says people are who they are and they're not going to change. Lie. It's a lie from the enemy. Don't let that deception and stronghold take root in your heart. God resurrects the dead God moves in people's hearts. And when God's people pray, God moves on our behalf and on heaven's behalf, and heaven comes to earth and people change. I refuse to believe that. Someone can't be resurrected, reunited, reconciled, marriages restored. I refuse to believe that because the Bible says nothing about that. In fact, it says just the opposite because the gospel brings the dead to life. If that's not true, we need to just pack it up and go home. We are here for far more than that. We've talked about the power of interceding. Praying on behalf of someone else. Praying and knowing that when we do, heaven moves in someone else's life. God speaks in someone else's life. Spiritual warfare begins for someone else's life. And they experience change when we pray. Now, it's sad when you and I watch people in our life fall into traps, believe deceptions, make agreements, and then become part of a stronghold. It's heartbreaking. It's painful to watch a loved one or a friend drift from the Lord, pull away from church, become addicted to some sin, begin to justify what they do, and want to have no part of you Praying for them. That's painful. But God has given us something to do with that so that we can pray and heaven move on their behalf. Now, we've talked about this idea that that starts in someone else's life when they make agreements, when they begin to agree with the deception from the enemy when he whispers a lie to them and they entertain it. This is what the serpent did in the garden. He simply suggested a very subtle lie. Has God indeed really said? And Eve entertained the thought and then agreed with it And as a result, the enemy entered into her mind, emotions, and will, and she bought the lie, acted on it, and became involved in a stronghold that affected all generations that followed, not so much because of her, but because of Adam, who did the exact same thing. And he believed the lie, and he acted on it. When you and I agree with the enemy. When you and I entertain a deception, when you and I act on it, we run the risk of becoming enslaved and in bondage. And the same happens for loved ones. This is where interceding comes in because we have the opportunity to do warfare for them that they are no longer able to because they are caught. Now you might say, where in the world do you get all of this in Scripture? I'm gonna show you because it's a powerful truth that happens and is happening today in our world at an unbelievable rate. Here's what it says in Ephesians 4.27. This is not the same, or the verse before this is one that talks about Uh, not letting the sun go down on your wrath, then comes this verse. Nor give place to the devil. The word place here, obviously, means a location, a space to exist. Don't let the devil rent out a spot in your mind. Don't let the devil lease some property in your emotions. Don't let the devil Purchase some property in your behavior because you will find yourself enslaved. And he will never walk up to you with his end goal intentions. He never walks up and says, hey, I'm here to wreck your life, destroy your marriage, make you an addict, and really try to make your life a living hell here on earth even though you're a believer in Jesus Christ. He never says that up front. He simply whispers things like, You don't think prayer really changes things, do you? You don't think the Bible is really relevant for today, do you? You don't think you're actually born with the right gender, do you? You don't think that spouse of yours is really the one that can be the one that was meant for you, do you? You can't really break free from this, can you? All of those are such subtle, deceptive agreements. And all the devil is looking for is for you to open the door and say, that's a worthwhile question. I'll consider it. And the minute you do, you make an agreement. You say yes, and he gets a place then in you. When you act on that and sin, he gets another place in you when that sin becomes a habit, he gets more space in you and you start making soul ties as we've talked about and pretty soon you're justifying what you're doing and blind to even recognizing what's happening. These are the power of agreements. The Bible has another word for those. Curses. When you believe lies, You are opening the door for curses to come to play in your life, even if you are a believer and follower of Jesus Christ. This was written to followers of Jesus Christ. This was written to the church in Ephesus. This applies to us today. Don't give space to the devil. Don't make an agreement with him. Don't enact curses in your life. But what do you do when it's a loved one? What do you do when all you can do is sit back and watch? What do you do then? Great question. Our message today, the title, Pray Bold to Set Loved Ones Free. We believe we can do this because of what Jesus said in Matthew 18. Jesus said, I say to you, that if two of you agree on earth concerning anything they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. We're going to learn how to make some agreements with God and break some agreements that other folks have made. Amen? You and I have a place for all that angst within us to go that we have for that loved one, for that child, that parent, that aunt, uncle, friend, relative, whoever. There's a place for all your angst to go, and it is in interceding for them. Turn your Bible to Acts chapter 12. And let's see a story here about someone who got caught in a prison and what happened to them. Everybody with me today? Everybody in a place where you recognize this is true. There are people in my life today who are held in bondage. Amen? You know what I'm talking about? All right, Acts chapter 12. It's the early part of the life of the new church, the young church. Peter is the spokesperson He is icon. He is leader of this new movement of believers. And in chapter 12, it says, Now about that time, Herod the king stretched out his hand to harass some from the church. Did you know that principalities and powers today want to do everything they can to harass the church? Amen? If they can't have us, they want to have us harassed. They want to distract. They want to make it difficult, they want to destroy the work, they can't ultimately destroy it because the gates of hell will not prevail against the church that stands on Jesus Christ, amen? But the enemy wants to do all he can to harass the church to defeat the church, to make some agreements that say, what difference is it going to make anyway? What difference would it make if we prayed? What difference would it make if we gathered? What difference would it make? The enemy's too great. What difference would it make? What difference would it make? Those are agreements that the enemy is wanting us to make today, and I refuse to make any of those agreements today. Amen? Verse two, Herod killed James, the brother of John with the sword. Mm, That's one way of harassing. Take one of the leaders out of play. Create some fear. Create some uncertainty about whether this is a right move anymore. Verse 3, And because he saw that it pleased the Jews, he proceeded further to seize Peter also. Herod found a way to harass. Herod found a way to intimidate. Herod found a way to even grab hold of Peter, because if you can take hold of the leader of the church, you can inflict some fear into all the followers. Now, it was during the days of unleavened bread, verse 4. So, when he had arrested him, he put him in prison and delivered him to four squads of soldiers to keep him intending to bring him before the people after Passover. Wow, that is some bad dude. So threatening to Herod that he would arrest him, put him in prison, have four squads of soldiers who would be assigned to him and keep him, and then intending to bring him before the people after Passover. Herod was going to take Peter and bring him before the people after their festivals in order to say, here he is, the one who's brought you so much pain, the one that you have wanted to hunt down like you did Jesus. Here's their leader. You choose now, and they were going to choose, Herod believed, to have Peter killed. And this would have brought great harassment upon the church and a potential end. that Peter is here and imprisoned. You know, this is what the enemy wants to do. Verse five tells us, therefore Peter was kept in prison. He was held there. The days weren't long before he would be brought before the people. And the question of his life would be in the balance. This is what the enemy Ultimately wants to do. The enemy wants to keep the church, and the enemy wants to keep you in a place of prison. He wants to see that you don't get to act on the freedoms that you have in Christ, that you don't stand in the liberties that are yours, that you don't experience the freedom of what it means to be a the light of the world, an ambassador of reconciliation. He wants you to be in prison. He wants you to stay in a place of spiritual bondage. Today we're gonna talk about what it looks like to be in spiritual prison. Because you and I, we all have family member, loved one, a friend, someone who is caught. Peter's situation here is gonna picture to us what that looks like, but I wanna define for what it looks like to begin with today what it looks like to be in spiritual prison. Because this is what the enemy wants for you. And I'll give you some indicators of what it looks like when you're in prison. Number one, you are in isolation. This is a favorite tactic of the enemy. This is what made COVID so difficult. Because it isolated us away from one another. And when you and I are isolated away from one another, we can't be an encouragement to one another. And if we're isolated away from one another, then we can't see the power of God at work in one another. If you and I are isolated away from one another, then I can't hear you and see you praying for me on my behalf. If we're isolated away from one another, then I can't gather with the church as we are commanded to do in Scripture and worship together. I can't lift up the name of Jesus together. I can't see his power demonstrated together. And the enemy wants to isolate us. When you feel the pressure to be isolated away from the church. Recognize that as a plot from the enemy. The last thing he wants you to do is to be right here. Gather with God's people and getting teaching and encouragement and worship and see God move. He wants to keep you isolated. So all of those struggles and temptations that make you even think, what business do I have going to church? I'm not doing so well right now. I think I'll just stay home. That's an agreement and a lie from the enemy that he wants you to make. That somehow being at the church is predicated on you having your life together first. Look, we're not here because we're perfect people. We're here because we are redeemed people seeking the Lord Jesus Christ in our life. Amen? Amen. And the enemy wants to isolate you and I away from one another. He wants to isolate you in your pain. He wants to isolate you in your struggles. He wants to isolate you so that you can't talk to anybody else about what's going on. He don't want you to to say, here's what I need you to pray for me about. Here's where I am. He don't want you to crack your soul wide open to someone else and see God move in your life. He wants you to stay isolated. Don't let him put you in a prison. Peter was in prison. He was kept in prison. He was isolated away from the other believers. He was alone. This is what the enemy wants to do: isolate and keep you alone. Spiritual prison also brings you to a place where you are stuck. A pen's dripping again. Stuck. You can't move. We're about to read in this passage where Peter is going to be chained up between these guards. He will not be able to move. He won't be able to go anywhere, do anything. He won't be able to see the light of day. He won't have any hope for the future. He is going to be stuck. And the enemy wants to put you and I in places of spiritual imprisonment where we are stuck, and we think I failed too much, too greatly. It can't be changed. My situation is too impossible. It can't be changed. Stuck, no light, no hope, no forward direction, just stuck in activity, no spiritual passion, no spiritual growth, no worship, no sense of God warring for me, no sense of me warring with others for others or others warring for me because I'm isolated and I get stuck in this moment. That's spiritual prison. Living in a place of defeat, Living in a place where he he, he he gave you some agreements to make and you acted on them. You bought into them. And now you're addicted. You can't get away from it. You do this thing, whatever your thing is, and he's got you hooked. He's got you enslaved. He's got you in defeat. He's got you thinking there's no way you could ever get out of this situation. This is such a deceptive ploy of the enemy. Isolate you. Pull you to a place where you can't talk to anybody else. Get you to a place where you're absolutely stuck. And then get you to a place where you just live in the defeat. And all you can focus on is how many times you've failed more than God working in your life and moving forward. Peter is in a prison. And spiritual prison also will get you to a place where you are Hopeless, where you have no sense of this will get better. God's moving. God's at work in my life. God hears me. God is changing me. Faith is growing in me. I am being conformed to the image of Christ. That's the last thing the enemy wants you to do. He instead wants you to live without hope. Get to the place where you just Fall apart. You just crater in hopelessness. And then finally, you're in a place of just absolute darkness. There's no light. There's no truth coming in. There's no joy. It's dark. It's tremendously dark. You can't hear. You can't see. You can't find hope. And it all happens because we end up making. Agreements with lies. Agreements with voices that are designed to enslave us and not free us. I hope you have people in your life who speak truth and God agreement into your life. It's important. It's important to have people who will speak to you personally and help you agree with truth it's important who you surround yourself with. It's important who your friend group is. It's important who you hang out with. It's important what you read. It's important what you click on. It's important what you watch. Because everything that you're watching and reading and clicking on, you are forced to make an agreement with. And is it an agreement with God's ways or is it an agreement with the enemy? If you're agreeing with him, you're giving him space. If you're you're playing his stuff on your computer or your stereo, you're giving him space in your space. Do you hear me? One of the things that worship allows us to do is make agreements with truth and about the nature of God. It, It causes me to sing it and say it and participate in it. That's why it's important to sing the words, to say the words, because it forces you to make agreements with truth. I don't know who your influencers are in your life, but let me tell you one that I can't encourage you enough in. And that is, who is your counselor or therapist? Find one who will point you to Jesus. Find one who will point you to God's word. Find one who will point you to hope. Find one who will point you to trusting him, not them. Find one who will encourage you to pray. Find one that will encourage you to heal. Find one who will encourage you to bring Jesus into your situation. If you've got counselor, therapist, friend, I don't care what it is, podcast, somebody you listen to, and all they're interested in is walking you back into your pain to rehearse the pain over and over and over again, and they don't ever bring Jesus into that pain with you, it's time to find another counselor, therapist, friend, media person to follow. Hello? If, if you... Have a counselor, therapist, friend, podcast that is leading you into a place to trust their words and not God's word. It's time to find another counselor, therapist, friend, media, podcast to listen to. If you have a friend, counselor, therapist that is encouraging you to listen to your inner desires and not the Spirit's desires in your life, it's time to find another counselor, therapist, friend, podcast, media. Amen? If your counselor, therapist, media, friend, podcast is encouraging you to blame and be bitter and to be angry and to withdraw instead of leading you to forgiveness and healing in Jesus Christ, it's time to find another counselor, therapist, friend, podcast, media. Amen? Amen? If they're not helping you pull down strongholds in Jesus' name, if they're not helping you cast down imaginations, if they're not encouraging you to pray bold, it's time to find someone else. Make agreements with those who will lead you to freedom, not agreements with those that will put you in prison. It's time to set people free. Jesus said, I've come to set the captives free. This is what he was talking about. People who were stuck in their guilt and their shame and their past and their addictions and their anger and their resentment and their bitterness and their jealousy and their loss that had happened in their life. And Jesus said, I've come to set them free from all of that. And he called them to it by making agreements with who he was. Not agreements with what the world says. Amen? Amen? Hey, I know this is hard stuff. But we do hard things here at Vertical. Amen? Peter was in prison. Here's what I love. Let's move on with the story. Verse 5, it says, Peter was therefore kept in prison. That's a pretty sad part of the story. Kept in prison. Peter, the man of faith. And he can't get out. He's stuck. He's isolated. He can't get out of his situation. Verse 5, the second part. But constant prayer was offered to God for him by the church. Somebody was praying for Peter. Peter couldn't move from where he was. But man, something's about to happen. And it's because a church was praying. It's because God's people were praying in agreement. It's because God's people were praying with passion. It's because God's people were grabbing hold of heaven. It's because God's people were pulling down strongholds. It's because God's people were pulling down lies. It's because God's people were not wrestling with flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and rulers of the darkness of this age and spiritual hosts of wickedness. And they weren't going to stop, and they didn't. Because their brother was kept in prison. I'm not willing to let a brother remain in prison and we shouldn't as the church. We should never say, well, that's just how they are. No. Don't make that agreement with the enemy. That's his in it. That's his lie. That's his deception. Do you hear me this morning? I recognize we're bumping up against cultural lies. I'm fine with that. You're about to hear some stories that are going to knock your socks off today. Let's go on. Verse 6. And when Herod was about to bring him out, Herod's about to do the deal. Herod's about to bring him out. That night, that night, on that night when it was about to all happen, Peter was sleeping, bound with two chains, between two soldiers, and the guards before the door were keeping the prison. This dude is locked up. Verse 7, now behold, an angel of the Lord stood by him. How do you think that angel got there? Because he just randomly said, I think I'll go down and see Peter tonight. No, it's because the church was praying. And when you pray, angels are dispatched. And he moves and he goes there. An angel of the Lord stood by him. And a light shone in the prison. Whoo! Light came into the darkness. Hope came into the room. And he struck Peter on the side and raised him up saying, arise quickly. In other words, get up, dude. It's time to get out of your prison. And it says, and his chains fell off his hands. What did Peter do in this situation that made chains fall off? Nothing. What was the church doing that made the chains fall off of Peter's hands? Prayed. I'm telling you, when God's people Pray bold, heaven moves, and chains fall off. Don't think that people are who they are and that's the way they're always gonna be. Verse eight, uh, the angel said to him, gird yourself, tie on your sandals. So he did. And he said to him, put on your garment and follow me. So he went out, yeah, that's right. Peter was probably laying there naked. This dude's in prison, he doesn't need anything. And they don't want him going anywhere. Verse nine, so he went out and followed him and did not know that what was done by the angel was real, but thought he was seeing a vision. It's tough. Peter's locked up between some guys. He's chained. The door's closed. It's dark. An angel shows up, lights up the room. He gets direction from God about what to do is able to get his clothes, the chains fall off, he gets dressed, puts on his sandals, walks out the door, and nothing's mentioned about those guards. Because God blinded their eyes. God held them captive. God bound them because a church was praying. There's power when you and I pray in agreement. He thought he was seeing a vision. Peter's thinking he's having a dream. Verse 10. When they were past the first and second guard post, they came to the iron gate that leads to the city, which opened to them of its own accord. Doors open when the church prays. Don't say it's impossible. Don't say it can't be done. If you're going to say that, say next. But God can do the impossible. Amen? Amen. Don't believe the lie. Don't make the agreement that people are who they are and they'll never change. Wrong. God changed Peter. God changed Peter's circumstances. God freed him because the church was praying. Mm, 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 mm. Uh, Verse 10. So the gate opened to him of its own accord and they went out and went down one street and immediately the angel departed from him. The angel said, well, my work here's done. Time to get back. Verse 11, and when Peter had come to himself, he said, now I know for certain that the Lord has sent his angel and has delivered me from the hand of Herod and from all the expectation of the Jewish people. All of a sudden, Peter's eyes were opened. God had moved. God had moved had changed his circumstances. God had worked powerfully in his life when he didn't think there was any way out, when he thought this was the end, when he thought he was bound and in prison, the church was praying. Nobody gets free from their bondage and their stronghold until someone else is praying for them. And not just one, but two or more. And depending upon how strong the stronghold is, you got to get more people involved. People who will agree with you. People who will go to war with you. People who will pull down strongholds. Amen? Hey, are you learning something this morning? I am. Amen. This is what God intends for us to do as a church. Look, we're not here this morning just because we want to have a fluffy Sunday morning, good old time. We're here this morning because we are an army of soldiers who've been called together by the Lord. We're here to do battle. We're here to cry out to God and see some captives set free. We're here to do some damage against strongholds today. We're here to pull down some things that are holding people captive, even in our area. People who are in bondage to addictions. People who are in bondage to hopelessness in their life. People who are thinking that God is irrelevant and doesn't matter and prayer is going to change anything. Wrong. Those are lies that the enemy has caused them to believe, and we are here as the church of Jesus Christ to set them free, amen? Now, let's get to some story time. Let's hear some real-life stories of some people who have experienced this kind of stuff. Just recently, our staff has obviously been talking about this for some time. We gather on every Monday morning to talk about what God is doing, how to plan and prepare, and we knew that if we were faithful to begin to pray bold, we would see some powerful things that would begin to happen. And they're happening. Amen? So, let me introduce you to a member of Vertical and a family friend of ours, Rachel. Polly, would you come up and join me up here? Let's give Rachel a hand. Woo-hoo. Rachel's not a limelight seeker most of the time. <laughs> no. We've known Rachel since she was K-5 with Taylor a long time. Been in our home and uh, a lot of memories we have with her. This year has been a challenging one for you, Rachel, right? I'm going to be quiet and let you start talking. Talk about this year and what God has done even just recently.
1: I do not want to be up here right now. But I felt like i i was gonna be like i had to be um so yeah this past it's been actually a year and a half since we have been like coming to church regularly um
0: rachel's married to bradley polly yes
1: he is out of town right now yeah yeah (laughs) um he's a
0: fireman in sherman
1: yes yes
0: um it's a long way
1: so yeah we were pretty plugged in I mean, I would sing up here and Caleb would ask me to like save two things and I'd be like, no, <laughs> no, I'm not doing that. And so this is like, this is a lot. But um, yeah, it was like, it's been a year and a half since we've been plugged in. We would like come for like one Sunday every maybe three months or four months and I would just be like, okay, <laughs> bye. Um, but yeah, this year was, it was really, really dark. And without going into like too many details of things that happened, um I can just tell you that I think it was January or February of this year um, that me and Brad were talking and I was like, well, um, I believe in God. I know he's real and I know that he is the right way but I'm pretty much just, I don't want it. Like, I don't want anything to do with it. I don't know if that's for me anymore and so like, can't believe I said that now because now I know that, you know, if you're not choosing God, you're choosing Satan and that's just like, I never thought I'd say anything like that, yeah. Yeah. And that was just like, of course, crushing (laughs) um, for your spouse to say to you or, yeah, it's a lot. Um, Didn't wanna be here. I did not wanna have friends that were in church. Like I shut a lot of people out um, because I just, I knew that if I was around (laughs) truth, that, you know, why why don't we want the things that are good for us? Mm -hmm. Sin. Um but we were out of town and I was like all right um we need to go to church. I don't want to go to church. Um but we need to because we're kind of at the point where if we don't go like uh like this is it like I don't want to be married. I don't want God. Like I don't want anything. This is like my last like I'll give it one last go around but like yeah. I don't want to go. Yeah.
0: Because I'm sure yeah. in some ways you're you're making agreements with all things we just talked about. You're agreeing that this stuff is yeah. fake, false, yeah. irrelevant.
1: Yeah, I could, I could talk for, about everything for like two hours, but just gotta keep yeah. keep me, keep me on track. But um.
0: But you got involved in some things. You don't have to go into details. Yeah. You got involved yeah. in some things that yeah. were part of the agreements you were making, and yeah. they were reinforcing some agreements as well.
1: Yeah, it was just darkness. It, pfft. It was, yeah. Um, Everything he talked about last week, he went down the list and I was like, hmm, got it, got it, got it, got it, got it. Soul tie, got it, like this, everything. Um, But yeah, we were like, we're gonna go to church. So the week leading up to last Sunday, I was just like, oh my gosh, like I do not wanna go. I don't wanna go, I don't wanna go. But I'm gonna go, whatever. Um, And so it was the Wednesday before last Sunday that, Um, I just had like a, I broke down, like I just, I lost it. Um, It was the first time I prayed in like eight months. And man, that was just rough. It wasn't even a prayer, it was like, uh, it was. (laughs) But pretty much, and it's crazy because everything that you've talked about are things that I've said out loud. And um, I literally, I think the only thing I prayed was I literally can't do this, I can't, Mm. I cannot. Like, I'm praying to God. I'm like, I cannot change. Like, I can't. And so, bad night. (laughs) And the next morning, I was driving to the gym, and I just started crying, and just so weird. I'm gonna say weird a lot. (laughs) It's not weird. Um, I was like, I texted Brooke, and I was like, I just need to come over. Like, I hadn't been over there in forever. Mm -hmm. And she's like, yeah, come on. And so... um, Went over there and we just talked and she's like, What do you need? What do you need for me to do? And I was like, all you can do is pray, because I mean at the yeah. time I'm just like, I don't even want your prayer. I don't I don't I'm just that's Yep. Um and so that was Thursday and then last week Sunday. Yeah, it's very relevant message, but I was crying, crying, crying the whole time, like just emotional, and I felt like this barrier this wall just like shoot up and all of a sudden I'm just like hardened I'm like okay this isn't for me irrelevant and then that's right whenever you were like I just feel the need to pray and I was like oh yeah. I
0: don't know if you remember that yeah. moment in the service last week where we're moving yeah. along and I just I just sensed there was this moment like okay we need to pray because I, I felt that yeah. I wasn't thinking it was Rachel I just felt that in the room that there was this wall going up like Cutting it all off, basically.
2: So yeah, it go ahead. literally
1: felt just like I couldn't feel anything anymore. Um, and then you prayed, and then I just felt it all again. Wow. <laughs> and, um, man, it was crazy um, because I this is just, it just blows my mind because I was not praying at all. Mm. Um, whenever you know at the end you're having everybody pray over people that are needing yeah. to set free in their lives, I was not praying like but I definitely felt like I was being prayed for and man wow yeah it's crazy um
0: so you said after the service that people even texted you
1: yeah Monday knowing everything yeah Monday I had like an abundance of messages coming in which is just crazy (laughs) um and it it was it was really weird because I've you know been waking up every morning for a year and a half feeling like um Depression and anxiety and anxiousness and defeated every morning, Mm. and I just woke up not feeling that on Monday, and (laughs) it—it's crazy, yeah, yeah, nuts. It's just nuts. But um, I felt like I was able to pray at that point. Like I felt like I couldn't, and then you know, having people pray for me, I'm like, oh, I can pray now. Yeah. Yeah. So hmm, this week was rough. Yeah. Because I felt like a tug of war kind of on my heart, and it was it was a hard week. Um, but so many things, and I don't know how much you want me to.
0: Whatever the Lord puts on your heart, sure. Your...
1: Yeah. So um, I like you know had worship music on like constantly because I'm like that's the only way honestly that I could like keep my head straight. Um, and I was about to go to the gym, and I usually listen to like really horrible music at the gym, like really bad. <laughs> And um, I had anxiety to go in and not listen to that. And I was just like, I can't, like, of course the devil's gonna make something as silly as you literally can't work out without listening to this music. Like you can't have your normal day. Your whole routine is built on this. Like everything's tied you know, together. And I had been listening to worship music and I got a text message and um, man, it's just like the text message was along the lines of like, Worship is your gift. Hmm. Worship, 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 worship. Like, don't let this, yeah. I don't even know how to wow. word it. There was so many things that happened this week. Um, and so I went in and worked out without listening to the terrible music. It was fine, so. Spoiler Good. alert, it was okay. Good. Um, but.
0: No need to make agreements with all those yeah,
1: voices. Yeah, it was great. And like, I could not even listen to that music this week. It made me sick when I turned it on, which is like. Amen. Yeah.
0: Amen, Yeah. yeah.
1: And um, that night, again, it was just like crazy, crazy things. But um, that night I was driving to Dallas because I train up in Dallas. It's like an hour drive and I had my worship music on. And I was kind of getting really anxious because I was like, okay, like they always listen to like not the best music like there. And I'm like really soft with the music this week. This was just like, you know. Yeah. And um, I was like, I, I didn't feel like I could handle that, but I was like, okay, like I'm just gonna have to deal with it, you know? And I've been going there for like five or six months now. And we started like, you know, practicing or whatever. And like, sure enough, it's worship music that's being played, which wow. is never a thing. Like that wow. has not ever been a thing. And I'm like, oh my goodness. <laughs> yeah. 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 The yeah. Lord
0: opens doors yeah. that weren't open before. Yeah man.
1: Yeah, it's, it's crazy. I don't know if there's anything I left out
0: but... Hey, isn't that amazing? See what I'm saying? When the church prays God moves.
1: Yeah.
0: So there were people praying for you yeah. obviously, even when you, were, when you couldn't and I think this Acts 12 passage is such a beautiful picture of that. When she was at a place when she couldn't others were and the chains fell off for her. So I'd like to do this. Rachel was okay. Can we have some women come gather around you to pray for you? Yeah. All right. Why don't you come down here and stand? And ladies, if you want to come stand with Rachel this morning, we're going to pray. Because you know that the enemy would seek to take advantage of this moment, would seek to pull her back in and have her make agreements. But we're not going to allow that. Amen, church? Amen. Let's pray. Father, I'm so grateful that you've set Rachel free. I thank you that when she couldn't pray, others were praying. And so today, we stand in gratefulness for that. And we also, as the church, stand against The powers and the rulers who would want to enslave her and put her back into bondage, we say no to you. You cannot have her. She is a child of God. She is a member of this body of Christ. Back off. Get away. You are bound away from her. You have no authority in her life anymore because her life belongs to Jesus Christ. We stand with her, over her, beside her, to protect her and loose now in her powerful spirit of faith and of prayer and of believing and of strength and of healing and reconciliation and purpose in her life greater than she's ever known before. So God, I thank you for showing us a picture of what happens when we pray bold for those that we love. Blessings upon you, Rachel. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Yeah. Amen. All right, we're not finished. We got another story. Let me have um, Travis and Cammie come to the stage this morning. And uh, yeah, here they are. So you might recognize these faces. They've been around Vertical just a little while. Here you go, Travis. Hold on to that. Yeah. How are you doing? How long have y'all been here at Vertical?
2: We've been going, it's been six, six years, right?
0: Six years. Six wow, years. almost so, the whole time.
2: Yeah. Awesome. We, we, yeah, we saw it on the, on the float at the yeah. uh, at oh. which I parade. Yeah. Um, started coming. Uh, I don't
0: yeah. know. I guess I'll just take it away. Uh, yeah, so this past year has been another a year for you.
2: This, this year has been just not just life-changing, but just dropped a new program in me. It's not just, I'm not even where I was. Um, I grew up going to churches. I grew up a Christian. Like, my parents made it known, you're a Christian, you're a Christian, you're a Christian. It was never a doubt. There was never a doubt. No, I'm a Christian. Uh, Absolutely. And uh, I never questioned or wavered from that. But what it was is you're given a manual, right? You can look in the instructions and see the manual all day long, and you know the parts of it. You can read it. You know the scripture. Okay, this happened, all that. But then... You just keep that knowledge. That's where I was at. I, was, I just kept that knowledge for so long of knowing Scripture. Um, when I turned 18, I started, um, I started to dip tobacco and started my journey with nicotine. And it was just what you do. You turn 18 and you can partake in nicotine. Well, that was back in the day. Now I 21, right? I can say back in the day. Yeah, like back 30. in the day. Yeah. <laughs> so... so I, that was one of, those, one of those agreements that, when you turn this age, it's a, um, like, a, like a rite of passage, right? You can start doing this, and I did. And then when I turned 21, it was alcohol. I, when I turned 21, we were already married. We, I got, we got married at, at 20. Um, and it was it 20? Yeah. 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 That's right. So, so there's a lot of yeah. So, so um, I started drinking, and it wasn't... I was never traumatized as a kid. I had a beautiful childhood. It was amazing. My parents have just taken such great care of me. Just, just amazing people. Um, but the lie that I bought into was that alcohol is something you do for fun. And so I liked having fun. And I have... I, not to fully throw in bullying, but I was bullied in school. And one of the things I have a hard time with is getting up talking like this here. It's not something I do at all. So um, I just don't like big crowds. I don't like getting involved with people. Um, Pretty closed off as far as friendships go. But alcohol could open doors, right? No. But I thought it could. And I even... It got me through a lot of stuff that I thought, and we started coming here, and one of the awesome things I'm looking forward to is having all those events where we get together at nights and, and start joining um, for different events, right? Yeah, sure. I don't know how to say it, but we did it for a while. Um, yeah. I would come under the influence, because I didn't feel like I could be around anybody you know, without being loosened up. It's not where I wanted to be because my wife is very amazing and l- loves to go to events like that, and she's very outgoing, and um, I'm not, or wasn't. And, and so I, I, and my dad told me something a long time ago, and that was, if you can't do this in front of somebody else, then you're doing it wrong. You're doing something wrong. And I felt guilt and shame, and struggled with that for so long, with guilt and shame. And I would just pretty much act. I would be an actor. I'd come in, shake mm. hands. Oh, how's it going? How, do the whole number. Right. Come in and do everything. And, but my guilt and my shame just kept me away. And then the drinking got so out of hand that it, was, it would be pretty consistent. If I wasn't actively at church or working at my job, I was under the influence of alcohol. Driving, sorry Mike. <laughs> <laughs> Driving anywhere, anywhere, anytime, that's pretty much how it was. Yeah. So um, I, I, I gave up on music a while ago just because I found the words to just be so selfish, I guess. Songs, most songs on mainstream media, they're just about the person singing or about a certain thing that has absolutely zero to do with God. So I had turned that off a while ago, um, but I found that reading the Bible, the Version Bible app, you can just listen to any version you want. Well, like I said, I love the manual. I had no problem with the manual. Right? Yeah. And that's why I was convinced. I'm not really doing anything really wrong here because I stay plugged in reading this Bible or listening to the Bible while I'm driving all the time. But there was... Um, there was a, a passage that kind of hit me across the face. Um, Is First Corinthians? You remember the actual SN six? Yeah. six? Yeah. yeah, sure. It was it was the first wake up point where I was like, "That's kind of I, I fall in this category." I didn't realize I fell into this category, and it was it was eye opening. Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revelers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. I had so much judgment on those other little categories. Mm. But wow, I was in that category. I was in that whole, that whole deal. That was the, like I said, that was the first slap in the face kind of to wake me up. It wasn't the game changer. Didn't, didn't wake up renewed or anything like that. But it was one thing that got me questioning. And we had moved, we moved to Texas in 2014, found a good church, and like I said, the manual, you read the manual, you know what's right, you know what's to do, right? Well, one of the things was the baptism. This church offered a water baptism at the lake. Wow, it doesn't get more real than that, right? At the lake, it's natural waters, all, all that good stuff. So following the manual, I knew I needed to get baptized, and I was. But I camped out of the water. I didn't, didn't have a, a, a spirit settle on me. I didn't have change. There wasn't the dove, yeah, there wasn't, yeah. There was, there, there, nothing changed. I continued to be me, continued walking in the same path I'd been on, and didn't get anywhere. I, I wasn't getting anywhere, and it, the drinking was getting worse throughout the years, getting worse and worse. And um, I knew, I knew that at one point there, there was going to be a time where the EMS and fire departments were going to be scraping me and my family up off the road, possibly, that I wasn't going to be able to help myself and start drinking on the job and get fired. It, just, it was going to have to happen. I, I just saw that coming down the pipe and, man... I I I did I did pray for myself at that point. And like I said, I followed Emmanuel. One of this one of the scriptures that shows us good prayer is Jesus praying to the Father before crucifixion. Take if it's your will, take this cup from me. And that's what I prayed. I don't want this cup of addiction. I don't want this cup of shame. I don't want this cup of regret. I don't want this for me. I, if it is your will, remove this from me because it is not who I want to be. And it, during this time, my, my wife and I are trying to conceive our fourth child. And um,
0: you should be standing up here I near her.
2: <laughs> True. Um, so. We were trying to conceive our fourth child. And I felt moved. Um, so choppy, sorry. So we, we, we did pray over, her and I together prayed over the, the conception. And when we found out the day we found out that she was carrying, I instantly was like, I'm, I'm gonna fast. I'm gonna fast from alcohol for nine months. I'm gonna give you five months, for nine months. You're gonna give up your body, I'll give up something like this, right? And the, the, the beautiful thing is, um, the first month went by And I I blinked. I had given up several times. Not given up, but fasted or tried to quit, tried to quit. And it was living hell. It was hard, super hard. Like, at work, anywhere else, I'm just worried and scared that I'm not going to have it, right? It's just the fear of not going to have it. That was really daunting, This time around, a month went by, didn't blink. I was like, wow, that was amazing. Um, You know, I'll try nicotine. Another month went by, another month went by. This has been an easy journey. God has removed that from me. I'm at eight eight months without alcohol, seven months without nicotine, and I... I don't, and I don't mind. I don't mind, and I'm not going to drink again on earth. I'm not saying I'm quitting alcohol. In scripture, Jesus told his disciples, I will drink this again with you in the kingdom. So I don't have anxiety over that. I will drink again with the Father in the kingdom. Hmm. That's what his promise
0: was to me. So to fast forward a little bit,
2: oh, okay. you go to camp. We, well, before few, that even. Before the- so before that, so... After that, after that first month, we're in February. Um, daddy daughter dance. Um, Micah knows that my love for my son and how close we are. We're just a great father and son. But she ext- so we're at the father and daughter or the, the daddy daughter dance, and she extends an invite. Hey. We're finally gonna do a, a, a Men's Sons event together. Um, we, um, Carson, I know he's homeschooled, he can go. He's not quite the age of it, but he can go. And um, in that moment, I just felt moved. I don't volunteer, right? I don't take limelight. I don't volunteer at churches. I don't, I don't do that. I felt moved and I said, I'll volunteer. Yeah. Thank you. Either way, I said, I'll, I'll volunteer. If you need help, I'll, 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 I'll do it, right? It got a little bit more advanced of that and I was actually part of leading that event, which was a, just a miraculous thing to me to begin with. That was my first steps being called out of that. So fast, way fast forward, I was just at, at, at camp. I was part of the camp group that, that went and Truett, Truett's message was of Lazarus. And Lazarus had died. And Jesus was on his way to get him. And so, when I, and it's the way I, I understand this, when I quit the sin of addiction, the anxiety left me as well. Is that moment I died to myself? I was dead. I was no longer hurting myself, I was no longer hurting anybody else. But like Lazarus, I was dead in the tomb, not doing anything. Micah sent this invite, that was like the first calling of God to come out. That was my first step. I didn't mess up there, too bad. So, Micah sent another invite. Can you help with VBS? Yes, whatever you need. Yeah, yes, okay. I took another step out of that tomb. And then Truett hit me up one day and asked if I wanted to be a leader at the camp. And it was just, to have so much shame, to feel like you're not good enough, to feel like you don't have that capability, especially when it comes to God's work, to make an impact in other people's lives. When God calls you to make another pe- in, to be that impact for other people's lives, that is just unreal. Just so humble and hum- like, just the humility for that. It's just amazing. But I, even then, I was like, I'm so blessed to be able to do this. And then Truett invited me to actually be Lazarus on the stage for an, the example. And it was in that moment I realized that my grave clothes were really coming off.
0: Yeah. Because Truett puts you on stage and then they wrap you up. They did. They wrapped me You're up like covered me in, in, in grave, grave clothes, clothes,
2: basically. Yes. And you can't move. I was literally could not move, hoping my knees didn't lock and pass
0: out. <laughs> so, um, but but it, then Jesus calls Lazarus out calls Travis out. Yes. And they start unwrapping the grave clothes from you. Yes. And that's a powerful moment for you. Well, it right.
2: was. That's, that's when, that's whenever I, I knew that I, I had stepped out of the grave. I've been redeemed. Amen. Amen.
0: So when I heard all of this taking place, I went to Cami. And I said, man, I'm hearing that some powerful things are happening in Travis's life. And I said, that tells me you must have been praying. Tell him what you told me that first day.
3: I said, for the past 10 years.
0: (laughs) Wow, 10 years. 10 years praying for Travis.
3: But really, um, thank God for mothers because it was those two beautiful ladies sitting over there who were really praying for him, our moms were really praying for him. And I went home after I told pastor that and I said, I realized that I did more desiring for Travis and longing and, and fighting and nagging him over the past 10 years than actually praying for him. I got really caught up in raising babies, taking care of the house and um, he was, I'm, I got used to him being gone, working 40 to 80 hours a week, and I just did my own thing, and I knew that he had a lot of anxiety on him, and a lot of stress on him, and I nev- I've i never had a problem with anxiety, so I just chalked it up to, oh, he needs this outlet, because he's so stressed, you know, his job makes him stressed, and he has that anxiety, and so he needs this alcohol, and so Sometimes I wanted him to drink just so he could come home and be happy and not be upset or, or angry. And so I, I lied to myself and I just said, oh, he needs this. So I didn't think anything was wrong. He's not hurting his family. He's not, he's, he's a great provider for his family. I didn't think anything was wrong. I just didn't know what I was missing. And, um, me and Travis were talking about our story all week and our testimony. And I thought that's where my testimony in all this ended was just that I failed. I failed as a wife to really go to war and pray for my husband. And, um, I went to bed um, that night. We had stayed up till midnight just talking about what God has done in, in Travis's life. And I went to bed feeling like, where, where is my testimony? And like, how do I end this? And the, that night, I had a dream and God gave me something super powerful. And he said, but God... And I was dreaming that all night. Those two words were stuck in my head all night, but God. And I realized that I am a child of God and he knows the desires of my heart before I do. He sees me and he loves me so much that he's going to take care of me whether I am on my knees or not. That's how much he loves me, even in my sin. Even in my failures, God loves me and he takes care of me and he's taking care of our family. Through all this, he, is, he has um, held us together and um, I'm just so thankful. And so my testimony doesn't end as I failed. My testimony ends as God loves me and he, he gives us undeserving love and it's unconditional, and I'm so thankful for that. And let me tell you, Travis is now walking in the freedom and the joy of the Lord for the first time since we've been married. He isn't coming home angry or upset. He's not coming home with a six pack of beer. He is coming home happy and ready to talk and playing with the kids and loving us fiercely and being a spiritual leader in our home. And it has been amazing to see and it has been life-changing for our entire family. I have personally gotten closer with God and um, I think our whole family is following suit. He's doing devotionals with our kids at night, every single night faithfully. Before they go to bed, and um, I just see the biggest godly change. He is his anxiety is gone, his anger is gone, his addiction is gone. God has freed him. God has completely freed him. And I am, I am, he he amazes me every single day with his actions and his responses to me. He blows me away. I'm like, oh wow, I didn't expect that. I didn't expect for you to understand what I was what I'm saying or He's raising his hands in church during worship. He's worshiping God now. He's truly loving the Lord, and it is just so great to see. Um, I'm, I'm beyond thankful, so um, yeah, praise God.
0: Amen, amen. It's awesome. So while they were at camp, Travis said, Truett, you just need to go ahead and baptize me here at this pond at the camp, and let's just do this. But uh, we agreed we'd wait till today where the story could be told. So Truett is going to baptize Travis. Come on. I'm just going to talk just a little bit about this. So, yes, Travis came up to me night one. He's like, you baptize me or what? Feel free to get on in. And if you'd face this way towards the people, it'd be great,
2: yeah. And I said, I want y'all to see this life change. I want y'all to be a part of this as well. So Travis, you got all these people here that are here in support of you and here and love you and are here to say that guy is a new man. So, I'm proud to baptize you as my brother in Christ, man. You've been buried with him in baptism and raised to walk in this lives.
0: life. stuff. These two guys right here have been friends for a long time. That's why you see this emotion right here. Hey, what a day. Amen? Yes. Isn't it good to be the church of Jesus Christ on this day? Yes. Isn't it good to be vertical in this day? Yes. Amen. Hey, let's lift him up and yes. hey, we'll see y'all next week.